Oh, good morning. My name is Paul Graham, and I am lead pastor here at Lakeside. For those that are visiting, welcome, cottagers and friends, people returning. The beautiful weather that we have up here in Halliburton, and uh, glad that you could join us on this Father's Day. We are continuing in our series that we started in the book of Colossians, and we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. Um, last week was a message to uh, all of us, but primarily teenagers at the youth service, and today we get a message to parents and specifically to fathers from the Apostle Paul today. And Paul has written this letter to the people in Colossians, or in Colossae, city of Colossae, and uh, people that he never met. And his hope for them was that they would understand the true gospel and that they would not waver from uh, their identity in Christ, which we learned about last week, and the importance of understanding what our identity is in Christ. And then later on in this chapter, Colossians chapter 3, he goes on and Paul begins to talk about how it applies. And there's parallels in other letters where he starts to talk about how because of who we are and what our identity is in Jesus and what God has done for us then how we are to live in our individual roles how we are to be parents how we are to be wives how we are to be husbands how we are to uh, be uh, workers how we are to be masters or bosses and so that's the section that we're in today and I'm just going to open in a word of prayer before we read our text father God I pray this morning that as we look into your word, for us fathers especially, that we would come away from this text and other scriptures that you have given us with a knowledge of what you have called us to be as fathers and how we are called to be different than the fathers of this world, but to model our fatherhood after yours. And so I pray that our hearts and our eyes and our minds would be open this morning to hear what you would teach. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the text that we're looking at is Colossians 3, 18 to 21. And as I said, Paul now shifts to give instruction in specific roles. And he writes, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And so since it's Father's Day, I'm obviously going to spend the bulk of my time, really all of my time, on that last verse, verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And our text this morning is really straightforward and simple, which may be good for us as we're talking to fathers today. And it's just one sentence, and it divides easily and neatly into three simple parts. And uh, first, it's who it's intended for, fathers, so everybody is aware of who that is. Secondly, there's the command, do not provoke your children. And thirdly, there's the purpose of the command, lest they become discouraged. Simple, right? So we will just address this, but now hold on to your hats. We're going to do it in reverse. I'm going to start at the end and work backwards. And so I've made it a little bit more complicated, but I'm sure you can follow along. We're going to consider it the three parts of the text, but we're going to do it in reverse order. Stephen Covey He's a well-known leadership expert, and uh, the second habit of Stephen Covey's seven habits of successful people is what? Begin with the end in mind, right? And so that's what we're going to do, fathers, as good leaders, followers of Stephen Covey, and more importantly, Scripture, we're going to begin with the end in mind. 
And so the end is, taking the text in reverse, we get to start with the goal that is set before Christian fathers. What is the goal that Paul says here is set before Christian fathers? Namely, the rearing up of children who are not discouraged. That's the goal, fathers. Let's have children that are not discouraged. And then knowing that goal, we consider the command or the duty given to us as fathers and then finally consider the significance of that command for us as fathers specifically. So first of all, it says, lest they become discouraged. And so the Apostle Paul sets out here very simply the goal, the goal that lies behind his instruction. The goal of a good father is to rear children who are not discouraged. And the Greek word that he uses there is a thumio. A thumio, and it means literally, the root means the opposite of spirited. It means disheartened, lacking in passion, sullen, or having the spirit removed out of the child. So we can imagine the kind of child who goes through life in a way that is listless, that is kind of dull, in sort of a resignation to things. And Paul says, don't be the kind of father who raises up children who are listless and sullen and disheartened and dispirited. And the command here is presented in the negative, but we can understand that when it's presented in the negative that there's a positive alternative that's presented. The alternative to a father who produces discouraged children is is who? It's a father who instead produces children with opposite characteristics. And so what would be the opposite of discouraged for a child? Anybody have any ideas? The opposite of discouraged or encouraged, of course, or disheartened. What's the opposite of disheartened? Heartened? Yeah, that's... That's pretty easy, right? Or maybe hopeful, right? Or instead of being dispassionate, maybe being happy, right? The opposite of being discouraged is being confident and courageous, right? And so we can come up with these ideas that Paul is saying, don't be fathers that raise discouraged children, but be fathers that raise hopeful, joyful, happy, confident, courageous children. It's the opposite of the negative rebuke. It implies a positive command. It doesn't only avoid mean avoid one kind of fatherhood. In other words, don't just be not this father. Paul's also saying be this kind of father. Be the positive kind of father in hope and joy and confidence and courage in our kids. And now it's interesting, when I was preparing this series in Colossians, I'd sort of, you know, six or seven weeks ago, I'd laid them all out and I knew that I was going to land on on this topic on Father's Day, and so I knew that, that this was going to come up on this day, and I knew generally what the text said, and so I, I was pretty much aware of what the content of this message was going to be. It's not complicated, and the a meaning is right there to not, you know, the goal is to not have discouraged kids, but encouraged kids, and, and uh, you know, I, I, the, the meaning is right there on the surface. But I knew, as with all Scripture, there's a lot more going on than just maybe what we see in the first take of the Scripture. And if I ended the teaching right there, it would sort of be a tidy little message. It might be something that you'd hear on any sort of encouraging poster or something you might read on Facebook that, you know, it's, uh, you know, fathers, you know, don't have discouraged children. Make sure you're encouraging your kids and that they grow up happy and confident and joyful. But if it ended right there, it would, it would maybe be a positive message, but there would be nothing distinctly Christian about it at all. And that's what concerned me when I was reading this, because I was thinking, yeah, there's a message there, but anybody would say, Dr. Phil would say that, right? Oprah would say that. You can't find a father or a parent out there that wouldn't agree that raising hopeful, joyful, encouraged, you know, confident kids is good, but 
I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit was not having Paul say something that Dr. Phil would say. So there's something more here in Scripture than just what the world would say is a positive, encouraging message. And so that's what we have to dig at. We have to go underneath what is going on here and and see what the Apostle Paul is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he's saying to Christian fathers and what would be unique about this command to Christian fathers. Because we don't simply parrot the wisdom of the world here. We take the wisdom of the world, which all good things come from God, and we understand that any good thing in the world comes from God, but we take what the, the world has said and we understand how God has made it better and how God has infused it with a deeper meaning for us as Christians. And so understand, Christian fathers, and this is important, that when the Bible says that we should be producing hope or that we should be producing joy or we should be producing happiness and courage and confidence in our children, it is hope and joy, and courage, and confidence in God in our children. It is not the hope and confidence and courage that Dr. Phil would be teaching you to put into your kids. It's not hope in money. It's not confidence in achievement. It is not security in your wealth. It is not a hope in a sports scholarship. It is not confidence in their ability at hockey. It is not the fact that they feel like they're going to achieve something because you've been so affirming in their life. That is the kind of hope and confidence and happiness that the world will tell them that they need. But what the scripture would tell us is that they need a hope and a confidence and a happiness that goes deeper than just how good they are at hockey and whether they're going to make it to the NHL or not. It needs to be deeper than just whether they're in a middle-class family and they've got a good education and so they're going to be happy because they've got a good income and they've got good health insurance and they've got a good wife and they're going to have a happy family and their happiness is going to come from that. We can build all kind the world can build all kinds of confidence and happiness into our kids and it will end up empty for them in the end. So when Paul is talking about here fathers to raise children who are not discouraged but are hopeful and confident and joyful and encouraged, it's in God, not in the things of the world. And so if we consider happiness or joy to be the opposite of dispassionate, then Paul would not be pleased by a father who made his child happy by simply giving them whatever they wanted or encouraging them to place their joy only in something in the world. There is a kind of happiness that has nothing to do with God. And in the end, that kind of happiness is an empty sort of happiness. You can give your whole, you can give your child a life of happiness that leads them straight to destruction. So fathers, listen to me. It's not just that you give your kids everything that they ask for, right? That they want a pony, or they want a motorbike, or they want this, or they want that, and you think, I just need to raise happy kids. Bible says raise happy kids. You know, so I give them everything they want so that they're happy. You can raise the happiest kids in the world that have nothing to do with God, and in their end, their life goes nowhere. And you can send them straight to hell, happy as a lark, without knowing God. That's not the happiness that Paul would encourage fathers to give their children here. In fact, true happiness comes and hope comes from temporary suffering. Romans 5, 3-4 says, Not only that, but we can rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope in God. And so when we're parenting fathers, we have to understand that we are going to put our kids through some challenges. And there's going to be some suffering in their life. And it is not our job as fathers to simply come in there and put a band-aid over every kind of suffering that appears in our child's life. Because suffering produces character. And character produces hope. And that's the type of children that Paul would have us raise. 
Children that are not discouraged but are encouraged because they have had suffering and they have had trials and they have had testing in their life that has produced character and has produced hope in God. And so it's not our job to simply put a Band-Aid and protect our kid from every kind of suffering. And I'm glad the kids are here with us. Because as I'm speaking to fathers, you know, children, you can listen to me too. Christian parents are going to parent different than worldly parents. So your Christian parents are going to test you and they're going to let you go through some suffering and they may even discipline you so that it can produce character and it can produce endurance and that character and endurance produces hope in you. And so children, understand that you're not going to be parented the same way maybe your friends are. You know, you think, well, well, his dad gave him a motorbike because he was upset because he fell down and scraped his knee and so he got a motorbike. Right? It's like, yeah, your, your dad's probably not going to do that. Okay, Just speaking on behalf of the dads here, that's not going to happen for you. Because we need to produce endurance and we need to produce character that produces hope. And so happiness is more than just what maybe the world puts forth as happiness. Or if we were to consider confidence or courage as the opposite of discourage, Paul says don't create discouraged kids, but kids with confidence and courage. The message of the Bible again offers an answer dramatically different than the world. The confidence a Christian father is meant to nurture in his children is God-confidence, not necessarily self-confidence. Dr. Phil would tell you, don't discourage a child. Build up their self-confidence. But the Scripture says, build up his God-confidence. Scripture actually says, if you were to go through the Bible and you were to read it, it actually says, and, and we all have to pay close attention here now, to how very different Christianity is from the world. Scripture actually says, Fathers, do your best to root out your children's self-confidence and replace it with God's confidence. Now, before you all reach for your pitchforks, okay? Because I just said, root out your children's self-confidence. Okay? And I know that some of you are going for the torches and the pitchforks right now. Just hear me out. I am not saying that we tear our children down. And that we chop away at their self-confidence and leave them with nothing. That would truly be discouraging. But the Bible is not teaching what the world teaches. The scripture says that our children need their confidence and their courage, but their confidence and their courage must be in God and not in themselves. Is that not how we live our Christian life, parents? Is that not something we say almost every day? That we are nothing without God? That it's not our strength, but His that we are weak and He is strong, that we don't have confidence in our own righteousness, but confidence only in His. And so if that's true of us, we have to teach that in our children. And so if you, your whole attitude towards parenting is to build up their self-confidence, trust me, you are not doing them any favors. Not that we tear them down and leave them with no confidence, but that we must put their confidence in God. Self-confidence is one of our greatest enemies. It says we can be righteous on our own. We don't need God. We can succeed on our own. We're not weak. We're strong. We know better. We're wise. And that will destroy your children in the end. They need to see and learn from you that they should not be confident in themselves, but they should be absolutely confident in God. Let me give you an example from Scripture. So you know that it's just not me talking instead of Dr. Phil. The Apostle Paul himself is an example of God working out and rooting out the self-confidence that Paul had in himself. And at the point that Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, you have to understand that he has been a Christian for about 20 years when he writes this. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul. And he's been a Christian for over two decades when he writes this. 
And God has been in the process of sanctifying and transforming his chosen apostle for two decades. And here's how he writes in 2 Corinthians. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So here is Paul, the chosen apostle of God, a Christian for 20 years. And he tells us as fellow Christians his understanding of God's affliction, that God is testing his life for the purpose of rooting out Paul's self-confidence. 20 years later, and God is still working on the self-confidence that is deeply rooted in the Apostle Paul. He has to afflict the Apostle Paul to the point where he feels like he's going to die. And Paul knows that God is doing that to get rid of his self-confidence so that he won't be confident in himself on his missionary journey. He'll be confident in God. Self-confidence is a deeply rooted burden and barrier and challenge for us as human beings. We think we can do it ourselves without God, and God has to continually work even to teach the Apostle Paul to not rely on himself, but to rely on God alone. Now, why does God do that? Is it because God's a bad father, because he wants Paul to be discouraged, that he wants Paul to give up, that he wants Paul to be sullen, that he wants Paul to be disheartened or to be weak or to be fearful? Is that why God the Father is doing this to his chosen apostle? No, it's because it was God who came to Paul in Corinth and said to him, don't be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, he says in Acts 18. God, the good, good Father, is testing Paul to the very limits of his despair in order to root out self-confidence because he wants his confidence to be in him. God doesn't want to produce a lack of courage in Paul, but a courage and a confidence that is infinitely more certain because it's a confidence in God. He says, don't be afraid because I am with you. Fathers, today, that is the confidence the scriptures would have you place in your children. The confidence in God. The confidence not in themselves, but in the fact that they know God and God knows them and God will never let them down. Do you want your children confident in their own flesh or do you want your children confident in God? When Isaac has any challenge ahead of him in his life, whether it's in school or whether it's a missions trip or whether it's a new job or whether it's a new experience, I don't want Isaac to say to himself, well, I'll do okay because I'm pretty smart or I have this experience or my dad trained me this way or my dad always gave me words of affirmation and so I feel really good about myself, you know, and it'll be okay because I'm a positive thinker. No, when the chips are down in Isaac's life, I want him to be confident because he says God is sovereign and there's nothing that can happen to me that God has not seen from before the foundation of the world. And my confidence is in God, not in what my dad taught me or what I can do or what grade I got or anything else. My confidence is in God, not my popularity or my intelligence or my ability. God has equipped me to see this day through because God prepared me for this day. The happiness and the hope and the confidence of the world is not what Paul is teaching Christian fathers here in verse 21. And so please, fathers, don't confuse self-confidence with God-confidence. Don't let your kids be confused between self-confidence and God-confidence. They should not be confident in themselves. 
They need to be confident in God. And don't confuse happiness in popularity or happiness in success or happiness in marriage or happiness in education or career to be confused with joy in God. And don't confuse hope in wealth or accomplishment or security with hope in God. Make sure you are instilling the right kind of hope and joy and confidence in your kids. And the words themselves, hope, joy, and confidence, might sound like the same words that Dr. Phil uses, but they mean something completely different to us in Scripture and as Christians. So I'm glad the children and the youth are in the service today because there's a message there that your Christian parents won't parent you the same way, as I said. They'll parent you differently. And they, your Christian parents will put an emphasis and a priority on you learning to put your hope and your joy and your confidence in God rather than in yourself or in the world. And you may think that that's weird or wrong because you want the worldly parenting. You want the parenting like all the other kids get, right? You know, because who doesn't want that? Right? You like the idea of getting happiness from the world. You like the idea of being showered with gifts and being given the trips and being you know, told that you're awesome all the time and getting a trophy just for participation and a parade on your birthday. Right? Like That's the confidence that the world gives you and you think, that looks great. Why don't my parents do that? You know, why do my parents test me in trial and, 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 and give me these difficulties to build characters because your Christian parents love you and want you to have a confidence that goes beyond the empty confidence of the world. They want you to have a happiness that goes beyond just happiness in things and a confidence in more than just what you may or may not accomplish, but a confidence in God. So kids, just trust your Christian parents for a few years. They may be smarter than you think. Secondly, quickly, this won't go on too much longer. As we work backwards from what the goal was, is to produce that joy and hope and confidence in our kids so that they are not discouraged kids, but encouraged kids. That's the goal, fathers. That's what we're supposed to do. What does Paul tell us how to do it? Or he tells us how not to do it. He says, do not provoke your children. And if the end goal of the Christian father is to produce children with hope, joy, and confidence, then what we have in the command here is just don't provoke them. And the command is given in the negative, avoid provoking your children. And I believe it's a warning against the misuse of your natural authority. Paul just wrote in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so he's talking about obedience to parents. Paul is talking about authority. And he talks in the plural about the husband and the wife. He says, Children, obey your parents in everything. But then immediately he says to fathers, Don't misuse that authority and provoke your children. Don't put your children in a situation where they are struggling to obey and honor and respect you because you're leading them poorly. Don't put your kids in a position where you are tempting them to sin by rebelling against your authority. Fathers, make it easy for your children to obey. Make it easy for them to be encouraged. Don't do anything that would cause them to have their confidence. Don't do anything that would have them have their confidence in God and their hope and their joy in God discouraged. I'm guilty. I've done this. As a father, more often than I want to admit. And the Apostle Paul here has singled out fathers. You notice he's talking about obedience to parents. And then he immediately singles out fathers. I think because Paul gets it. He knows what's going on. We fathers have a special, how can I put it, disability when it comes to parenting. Right? We just have to own up to it, fathers. We can really provoke our children. We can parent them in a way that either goads them into rebellion or quickly crushes them in discouragement. 
That is the special gift of parenting that fathers have. And Paul addresses this to fathers specifically. Don't provoke your kids. Don't provoke your children. Do not provoke them into rebellion and do not crush them in discouragement. And I think there's two ways primarily that we do this. And this is me talking, not the text. Although you can find these thoughts in Scripture as well. But I'm just going to talk for me now for just a second. There's two ways that I think we do this. We apply discipline out of anger or out of frustration rather than out of love. And as a result, our children don't understand where the boundaries are or why the boundaries are there. And it's not that discipline is wrong, as we saw earlier, that in fact we need discipline. We need testing in our children's lives so that they can build character and endurance and hope. Discipline is good. But when our kind of discipline does not reflect the Heavenly Father's discipline, then it goes very wrong. And remember what Paul said about suffering. They were tested to the point that they despaired of their life. Do you think that Paul was not discouraged? So there are times, fathers, when we will discourage our kids. Right? When the, when the discipline has to happen or the suffering has to happen, there will be times when we will test them and they will be discouraged for a period. And so I'm not saying that discipline isn't wrong. When Paul was tested to the point of losing his life, of course he felt discouraged. But God did not leave him there. Paul got the lesson from his heavenly father. He understood the purpose of the testing of God and what it was accomplishing in his life. And that is an example from our heavenly father of how we should father. We do have to discipline and test our children and they may feel discouraged in the midst of that discipline, but we have to know how and why we are applying the discipline very, very clearly and explain to our children the lesson that comes with it and the character that it is training in them so that they are not ultimately discouraged. That there is a purpose to the testing and the discouragement in their life. And so we can, fathers, we have to be really careful that we take our cues from our Heavenly Father on how we test and discipline our children, always with the aim of building character and ultimately encouraging them and putting their hope in God. And secondly, and it ties more broadly to the first, we fathers, I think, provoke our children to be discouraged when we ourselves do not properly demonstrate our own joy, hope, and confidence in God. You want to raise up a child who has no confidence and no hope and no happiness and no joy and no encouragement in God? Just be a father who doesn't have any of that yourself. And you will discourage your kids, ultimately. You know, some fathers, and me included at times, we fail to be happy and hopeful and confident in God. And instead, what our kids see is that we're hopeful and happy and confident in our career or in our wealth or in how the Jays are doing, right? Or, or, or whether our kid's going to get into hockey, or whether you know we're going to get that promotion, or whether we just got a new boat. And so our kids see us, and they see that we are happy and healthy and confident and encouraged because of you know the good stuff that's going on in our life. And they think, well, that, that's where my dad puts his confidence, so that's where I'm going to put mine. And so we fail as fathers, and we provoke our kids to lose sight of God when we fail as fathers to do exactly what we're trying to train in them. The most important thing you can do as a father is have your own hope and your own joy and your own courage and your own confidence in God and let your children see that. Deuteronomy 6, 5-7, classic parenting verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words which I am commanding you today you shall, shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk to them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. All through the day, all the time, fathers, let your kids see that your confidence is in God alone. And they will not be discouraged when they grow older. 
What do they see in you if you were to ask them? Would they see that your real hope is in your bank account or that your real confidence is in your career or your ability, that your real joy is in sports or success or popularity? Or even worse, would they see that your joy and your confidence is in the success or popularity or ability of your children? Fathers, don't set your joy and your hope and your confidence on the success of your kids. That's a burden they can't bear. Let them see that your confidence is in God. And your confidence in them is in their confidence in God, no matter what. Whether they make the team, or whether they get straight A's, or whether they make university, or whether they get a job, their confidence and their hope and their joy and their encouragement is in God, not in those things. So who are you, fathers, and what do your kids see in you? Do they see where your hope and your joy and your confidence is in God? And then finally, as we work backwards, the first part, the address is to fathers. And there's a lot more that I could say just about fatherhood and the role of God, our Father, and how He is our Father, and we are to take our cues from Him. But I'll simply close with this. I simply want to impress upon you this morning, fathers, the importance and the uniqueness of the role that fathers have in the life of children. And it doesn't mean that children without a father present are not well cared for or that those children are lacking in anything that God cannot make up for abundantly in their life. But in God's plan for the family with a mother and a father, the father plays a unique role just as the mother does. They share the role of parent but hold only the role of father. Only the father is the father. And that role carries with it a special burden to model for children the kind of love and protection and teaching that our Heavenly Father intends for us. So no matter how dimly or how imperfectly we may perform that role, fathers, it's still our role. So don't you be discouraged just because you think, well, I can never measure up to God. I can never measure up to the Heavenly Father. I can never measure up to all these spiritual giants around me who seem to be such amazing fathers. It doesn't matter how dimly or imperfectly imperfectly you may perform that role. It is still your role, Father, to perform. And so I urge you to carefully consider your duty to not provoke your children so that they are discouraged and disheartened and dispassionate or sullen, but rather to be the kind of father that demonstrates and sets the hope, joy, and confidence of his children on God. That's what Paul is saying in that little verse. He's not saying what Dr. Phil would say. He's saying what God would say. Fathers, don't provoke your children to rebellion. Don't discourage them and crush them into the ground. Don't raise up children who are discouraged. Rather, raise up children who have their confidence not in themselves, not in the world, not in wealth, not in popularity, not in anything else, but raise up children who have hope, joy, and confidence in God and let them see it in you. That's the challenge to fathers today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we know that Colossians was a short letter. We know that Paul (laughs) just packed so much stuff into four chapters and he just takes a paragraph there to talk about families. And so, Lord, teach us as fathers to look deeper than just what the words say on the surface because there is miles of depth to what your teaching is. That we want to be fathers who raise up children who are encouraged and who are hopeful and who are joyful and who are not sullen and listless and discouraged, but who have their confidence in you. And to do that, we can't provoke them. (laughs) 
Paul only had one nail to hit, and he hit it on the head. Father, forgive us that we have that special ability to anger our children or to crush them. And Father, I just pray for your mercy upon all of us as dads today, that we would, we would learn to encourage our kids, even as we discipline them, even as we must set boundaries for them, even as we must at times uh, lay down the law and, and let them know that there's the edge of things that they cannot do. Father, that we would do that in a way that reflects you, that we would encourage them the way you encourage your apostles and your disciples and your children, that they would know ultimately that their confidence and their hope is in you. Ah, so much, Father, that we could talk about today, but we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.